Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. With your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. I am your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host this week, Kim Kroll is here. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, I am so great. So excited to be talking about this upbeat, happy, fun time documentary that we're covering this week. It does have some nice things to it, but I don't want to spoil it. It does have some happy endings. Yeah. While I'm watching it, I'm like, there better be a fucking happy ending. If not, I'm going to be so mad at Adam. <laughs> yeah, it it eventually comes not around really, but <laughs> at the yeah. end. But it's as happy of an ending as you can have in a situation like this. The documentary we're covering is called American Nightmare. It is a three-part documentary on Netflix. Eternal Debate, does it need to be three episodes or could it have just been one thing? This, I, they keep it tasteful. It's three 45-minute episodes. Good enough. Yeah, I didn't feel... That, that feels more like you're giving me an intermission because there are three pretty distinct sections to this. Like, it's split up in a very logical way. And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't hard to watch. It wasn't like, sometimes you're like, why is this person talking? Like, who is this? Like, come on, yeah. And this was like, oh, everyone talking is relevant, so... And sometimes I think documentaries tend to bounce around in the timeline too much in the name of like weaving a story. And it's like, oh, you're just making things hard to follow. And some of us have low attention spans. <laughs> yeah. We got phones to look at. Don't make us pay attention. Who's the real monster here? They are. Yes, they are. So this documentary, American Nightmare, it covers the case of Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn. Had you heard about this before watching this documentary? No. Had you? I had not either. And it's not far from where we are. Like we're in LA. This happened in Vallejo, March 23rd, 2015, three days after my birthday, shortly after the purge, which we were talking about before we started recording. So maybe that's what it was. We were busy purging. Was this actually a crime? Did this happen during the purge? If it happened during the purge, not a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Not a crime at all. The purge is so good. <laughs> I love the purge. It's just so good. It's so violent. Okay. We'll go. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll talk about the purge another day. So episode one, part one, the boyfriend it's called because <laughs> as any true crime fan will tell you, the boyfriend always did it or the husband always did it. It's a mantra that true crime fans love to repeat which really just makes it easier for the cops to be bad at their job because then they get to repeat it and then they don't ever have to investigate anything, which is exactly what happens here. They don't even consider investigating the crime that happens here. Their only consideration right out of the gate is that story sounds too crazy to believe. We think the boyfriend did it. By the way, the story wasn't that out of this world. It sounds like a woman was abducted. That's what the story said. You know what I mean? It didn't sound like, whoa, what? It was like, yeah, it sounds like that woman was abducted and the person who did it was pretty prepared to abduct someone. Yeah, there's like weird details, like everyone was wearing wetsuits. And it seems like that's the thing that sets this detective off. He's like, well, you know damn well the frogman didn't do it. And it's like, damn, like that quick, you're already judging that this is fake without even sort of checking on it there are several stories of little girls getting abducted and the cops go several the cops go she ran away and the mother's like no and they're like mom you're being very hysterical you need to calm down your daughter just ran away and the mom's like why would she out of nowhere do that and it's like the cops are the greatest gaslighters of all time and also i hate them <laughs> even if a child has just run away that's still an emergency officer. Still probably want to go out there and wrangle that kid up and bring him back home. Yeah. Ugh. So the first episode is all Aaron Quinn telling his side of the story. And we won't go through all the details, but the gist is that 
three men break into their home, Aaron Quinn's home, which Denise Huskins also lives there. They're both given sedatives and Denise is kidnapped and Aaron passes out and doesn't really do anything for a bunch of hours, which that part is one of the things that made police suspicious, but couldn't they have just like tested his blood for yeah. sedatives? He was drunk. That part was true. <laughs> yeah. Like that seems so easy. And the details are super weird, especially the part where they tell Aaron that the actual intended target was his ex-girlfriend, a woman named Andrea, who was also his coworker, who he and Denise like fought over. Mm -hmm. I think Denise was his co. They they all worked together, right? Oh, did they all work I together? Think Denise worked there. Yeah, maybe. Okay, but, but they definitely worked together. Yeah. Yeah, there was conflict, mm -hmm. and for some reason they tell him that hey, we weren't meant to take Denise, but we're gonna take Denise. But we were here for Andrea. And that part is never explained. And I don't mean that as in the documentary never explains it. The kidnappers never explain it. Like when they do finally arrest someone for this, there's a few unsettling, yeah. unanswered questions. There's some holes it. in all this. Yeah. That are like, cause yeah. the wetsuits still. The wetsuits, the three men yeah. broke in. And they never. That part becomes really important later. Yeah. And so. Almost immediately after Aaron calls police, they don't believe him. And there's some famous last words here where these kidnappers had told Aaron, like, hey, don't call the police. We put a camera in the corner of your house. Another thing the cops could have just verified. And if you call the police, there's going to be problems like we might kill Denise. But he does finally call the police and he says, I trusted the police. I thought they'd help me. And ooh, famous last words right there. Why do people not know that by now? Like I see something happening outside my window and I'm like, like in the street and I'm like, well, that seems really dangerous, but I don't have any idea who to call. Cause I know if I call the police, that person will probably get killed and they're just unhoused, dumping trash and doing date like naked. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the cops are so worthless. I've never the heard a good cop. Is you have no alternative. Yeah. What do you call the equalizer? Oh, like, God, I wish. Do you love that movie too? Not the way you do. I not the way movie. you do. I love that. I think about that movie. <laughs> I, I think I about know. it all the time. <laughs> but we need an equalizer. I should become an equalizer. Especially in this case, that was absolutely a thing that was needed because the police could have solved this pretty quick, we find out eventually. There was one cop that ended up being, she was kind of an equalizer. We'll get to her. Well, it's kind of a tale of two police forces because there's the Vallejo PD who are a bunch of fucking fuck faces. And then there's the Dublin, California PD who are like, investigate a crime. Yes, please. We haven't had one in a million years. Of course, we want to look into that. Yeah. And they're like gung ho about solving this. But it's the Vallejo PD who are the bitches here. So- Detective Matt Mustard, again, real fuckface. Just a solid piece of shit. Fuck him all the way off. Walking, talking, breathing piece of human shit. Yes. He almost immediately just does not believe Aaron's story, which is, I mean, it's a pretty crazy story, but. It's not that crazy. Yeah. How would you pull off a home invasion and kidnapping Detective Mustard? Like, what the fuck? I get that it's a wild story, but yeah, it's wild because someone broke into this man's house and took his girlfriend away in the night. Yeah. And drugged him to where he woke up being like, probably woke up like, you know, when something bad or exciting happens and then you wake up in the morning and you have to relearn it all over again. And you're like, oh, yeah, he was probably like right away, like, babe, you want to get breakfast? And was like, oh, wait, shit. That happened. Oh, no. Yeah. It was like. They told me not to call the cops. Now I feel alone. There is a camera. What do I do? And then finally he's like, I guess I got to call the cops. Cause and I guarantee there was at least some on the side of the detectives. There was at least some sense of, well, if all this happened, why aren't you like more upset or why aren't you like a little more animated right now? And if anyone was watching this and having that question, the obvious answer is this man was sedated 
to the point that he slept for like nine hours after his girlfriend had been kidnapped. Like that's a heavy sedation. Yeah. And that's going to impact your demeanor a lot. Also, I hate this in like when we watch these documentaries or any story you hear, how the cops dictate your behavior as abnormal. Everyone reacts to tragedy differently. So when they're like, you don't seem that upset. Some people internalize and are good under pressure. You know what I mean? Like, so being like, you don't really seem like that happened to you. Well, you don't know me, Officer Mustard or whatever. You don't know me. And that's so much of what especially like trial by media stuff, Nancy Grace, like those types, that's all they focus on is, well, I know how I'd act in this situation. And it's like, motherfucker, no, you don't. You absolutely do not, you fucking war criminal. Nancy Grace should be tried. I don't think I know who Nancy Grace is. Criminal court. Oh, you know who Nancy Grace is. She's come up on some of the documentaries we've covered. The true crime woman who's like, my boyfriend was murdered. So now every boyfriend in the country is a murderer. Oh, she looks crazy. She is crazy. And she's bad for the world. I don't think we've ever talked about her. She deserves her own fucking episode of this podcast. I would like to do that episode. Nancy Grace fucking sucks. So her boyfriend was murdered and now she thinks our... Yeah, something like that. She probably fucking killed him. Who knows? (laughs) So Lieutenant Kenny Park, he is another piece of actual shit that has somehow sprouted legs and arms and a face and has gotten a job as the public mouthpiece for the Vallejo PD. And this fucking guy, like their whole angle right out of the gate is this is fake. This is a hoax. And you murdered your girlfriend. Yeah. They immediately take to the press and start spreading that angle. At first, they're not really calling it a hoax. They're more implying that Aaron killed Denise. Yeah. And that he knows where she is because the boyfriend always did it. Like, Watch your true crime shows, America. The boyfriend always did it. So that's their whole focus. And Lieutenant Kenny Park is the voice of this throughout the whole thing. He's the one whose job it is to get in front of the public and be like, nope, they're lying. None of what they said happened actually happened. Can you imagine being him right now? Like in this moment where you're like, my, I don't know if my girlfriend is alive being assaulted and this is how you're using my tax dollar money. I feel so alone. Like how isolated and afraid this man must have felt. I mean, we're, we we haven't even gotten to the the woman yet, but I'm obviously she's much, it's much scarier for her, but you went there for help. And um, there was no, I just, it's infuriating that there, that someone needed help like this. And the people who are meant to help us did nothing but smeared his name. It breaks my heart. Yeah, that's that's what I mean about that line where he says, I trust the police. I thought they'd help. That's the thing. A, lo- a lot of people do. What else do you do? What do you do in a situation like this? You got to call the police. And if you run into cops like this, it's going to be bad times. Like they're going to fucking make sure it's bad times for you. No one on the prosecutorial side of the justice system ever wants to believe they're wrong. And if they are proven wrong, they will nine times out of 10 go out of their way to make sure that person still never gets out of prison. Because as long as they're still in prison, their decision was right. Why would they be in prison if I was wrong about that? Can you imagine having that, like the level of egos that are out there? Like that's someone's life. <laughs> like it's just so... People who rise up like that are, we, that's why I've said so many times, if you're a prosecutor and you send an innocent person to prison and it can be proven that you like withheld evidence or ignored evidence that would have exonerated that person. Why are you not in prison? You should go to prison. And that should be like a common thing. Like it should just be known that, Hey, Here's the consequence of you fucking up at your job in a way that we can prove you did it intentionally. You will go to prison. Like you should go to prison for life. Like sending a person to prison who you know is innocent, that is 
murder. That is a version of murder. That's murder. You took someone's life from them. Yeah. You extinguished someone's life. There's a guy who just got released. I think it was in Oklahoma. He had been in prison for 40 years for a crime he did not commit. Prosecutor withheld evidence in the trial, and that's why he ended up getting convicted. It took 40 years to get him out of prison. He immediately got diagnosed with cancer as soon as he got out of prison. And under the laws of the state he's in, he might get a payment of something like $65,000, I think. And that's for 40 years of wrongful incarceration. America is terrible. He had to set up a GoFundMe when he got out of prison to pay his medical bills. Fucking America, baby. And where, like, I've read where people are put away wrongfully for heinous crimes, like child molestation. And they say they didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it. And then it's proven that the prosecutor, like, and then, but like their mother dies while they're in prison thinking that they did this heinous crime. Like there's so many levels to it. My friend went to some criminal class or something in college and they had a speaker come who was in prison for, you know, decades wrongfully accused and his story she was like our justice system is not justice and then also 40 years you don't know how to live in the world anymore we just spit you out and good luck that's why most criminals go back to doing crime because they're not jail and prison isn't what it does what it's supposed to do yeah our prison system is not a rehabilitation focused thing it's just meant to be punitive and study after study after study shows that doesn't work, but this country, like this government, and like not to sound conspiracy theorist, but they don't want that to work. No. You have to take into account how beholden our elected officials are to the various corporate interests in the world. And one of those corporate interests is private prisons. People in this country make a ton of money off of private prisons. And if we're going to do any kind of justice reform, that empties those private prisons, it's not going to happen without us finding someone else to fill those prisons. I'm guessing it'll be immigrants if there's ever any kind of like real criminal justice reform, because there's also money to be made in home confinement. It seems like that's where it's going next, where, all right, you're not in prison, but you have this thing on your ankle and you can't leave the house. If you're ever sentenced to that, you have to pay for that. That's not free. Like you pay the company that puts that bracelet on and monitors that bracelet. And you never leave your home. I mean, you get allowed time to go out and like do laundry if you don't have a washer and dryer and stuff like that. But it's house arrest. Like it's a very common thing. You know, it's interesting. My not interesting, but like a fucked up story. My mom had a really abusive boyfriend when I was a kid, like a scary, scary boyfriend. And it was one of those situations that, and she told me this much later in life, like when I was older and she was like, cause I didn't know how they ended up breaking up. And she's like, I couldn't leave him. He was abusive. And if I left, he would have killed me. Right. Like that kind of level of abuse. And he took, they were driving one day in Denver in her car, which her mom owned and he, they were drunk and he hit a car and totaled both car or totaled that car and ran. And so my mom's at the accident scene and he had a couple of other like priors. Right. And so he ran and they were like, you need to tell us his name. And my mom's like, he will kill me. I'll die. And so she didn't. But then they were able to track down the car through the whatever. And so the boyfriend ended up going under house arrest. And that was how my mom finally got out of that scary relationship because, you know, oh, wow. because he couldn't leave his house. And so she was able to like move and not have him follow her and. Hopefully his, that guy's name was Scott Peterson. Isn't that wild? Because of. Whoa, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He used to call me buggered. I hated him. <laughs> buggered? Ugh. Yeah. He'd call me buggered. I don't know what that is. I feel like that's a British slang word for sex, isn't it? Good track. That was a scary house to go to when I was a kid. I heavily petitioned to try and get no one to let me go back to that house. But I was a kid and no one. Well, you know, uh, well, it's a it says a vulgar slang in British, but it says uh, seriously <laughs> harmed or damaged. So Jesus Christ! but also people say bugger off. What the fuck's that mean? This is a real, real side tangent. Yeah, I feel like I did this somehow and I apologize. I think it's and always that means, me. That just means go away. Oh, I'm going to start saying that. 
I start telling people to bugger off. Bugger off. So you want to trigger me every time you see me? <laughs> no, just not you. I'll remember. Not to. No, no, no bugger off for Kim. The funny thing about that guy, though, is that like I kind of understood the game. This is way off, but I understood the game when I went to his house. Like she had other boyfriends that were like on the surface were like nice guys, but they were scarier because they were like nice guys. This guy was scary. So I like knew how to like avoid him and like you know i understood the game when i went to his house yeah i remember when i was a kid my sister would watch me during the summers because she's four years older than me and at one point she hit the age where she would like start having boyfriends and things over Mm -hmm. and uh we grew up in a rough area and my sister dated some rough dudes like from from jump like immediately and i would always be there so i would like you know if someone's in your house you're gonna fucking interact and talk to him. And at one point she brought this one dude over and she was like, so you know how with like the guys I bring over, you're normally like really playful and you joke around with each other and things. She was like, not this guy, What? not this guy. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to watch golden girls upstairs. <laughs> what? Why? Yeah, was- what was his deal? And she would have been like 14 at the time. <laughs> Did you talk to the guy? Did you see the guy? No, I didn't fucking talk to the guy. You just Why went upstairs I and hid. I don't I know. Saw him, yeah. I just went upstairs. I was like, I'm not fucking with this maniac. That brought up so many more questions than it answered, by the way, but we can go back to the documentary. So the interrogation videos with Aaron are very frustrating. It's typical cop bullshit, like trying to coerce a confession out of him. It's obvious that they're not going to listen to anything that suggests that an actual crime happened here other than he murdered Denise or he knows where she is. He was involved in this. What's so wild about that, though, is that like I murder my boyfriend and I wait nine hours and then I go and report him missing. Yeah, there's no way you would add that detail. Yeah, like you would in the moment you would call and be like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe what just happened. Yeah, and he- they they try some they try some cop shit on him in this <laughs> when at one point detective mustard cuz he's talking about andrea the ex and like trying to imply that well that's why this happened you killed her because you have a secret boyfriend i watch investigation discovery like anyone else son <laughs> and he tries this thing where he's he's chasing that lead and he finally goes did you ever really truly love denise And what he's trying to do is get Aaron to either say, yes, I did, or even just yes. Because even if he just says yes, he's answering a question that was asked as if Denise is gone and dead. And instead, Aaron goes, I do love Denise. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. You nailed that. Yeah, I'm so glad he was smart. Yeah, he... To his credit, does not falsely confess, yeah. which a lot of people in a situation like this do. He finally lawyers up. He takes a lie detector test, which why? Those are also not accurate. They're not accurate. And the FBI agent who gives it to him just lies. He lies and says, you clearly failed that lie detector. And we find out later on, it was like inconclusive. And probably because lie detectors, a lot of what they factor in is like your stress levels Mm -hmm. and like he's been getting accused of killing his girlfriend while he knows she has been taken someone has her and no one is looking for her at all and no one's doing shit about it people wonder why we say a cab all the time this is yet another example i would be fascinated to go back through like really old episodes of forensic files Mm -hmm. and shit like that and just follow up and see how many of those convictions are like now kind of questionable because i know like hair evidence is sketchy as fuck is it cases that have involved bite evidence bite evidence is a pretty questionable area of science and i bet you there's a lot of forensic files episodes where if you look into it now it's like no 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 but here's the thing i love forensic files because it had one of the greatest narrators of all time am i right was it forensic files that had the narrator or was it cold case files was that 
The scary guy that was like, and what happened next? Yeah, Peter Thomas was his name. There was one particular episode that I remember where this woman, she was home with her kid and there's a knock at her door and she goes and looks through the peephole and it's clearly like a stranger and a very scary looking stranger. And she like manages to get him to go away, goes back upstairs and then hears like rustling downstairs and comes back down and oops now that guy's in her kitchen holding a knife oh my god and the way peter thomas narrated that granted i was a little high but the (laughs) way he narrated that i was like shook like it like i felt it in my chest i was like this is legitimately one of the scariest things I've ever heard. And it it what it gets scarier. I watched one of those once where a woman came downstairs and a guy was in a mask was just sitting on her couch waiting for her to come. And I was a little kid. And I think about that every time I have I hear a noise in my I live alone. I come out in my living room and I turn on the light. I'm like, what if one day there's just a guy just waiting for her to like patiently in the dark waiting? Well, even in this case, to get back to this documentary, one of the other things that I think led the police to be a little suspicious is they it seems like they don't really know how these three people got in the house. They didn't like kick in the door or anything, but also the police weren't looking for that. Like, I doubt the police ever went there and looked for signs of forced entry. So also, can you pick a lock without it showing Yeah, you can pick a lock, but I feel like you would still, like a skilled forensic team, I'm sure, would be able to look at a lock and go, I don't know when, but that lock has been picked. Because it's not like picking a lock is a delicate process. Like, you're basically shoving a piece of metal in there and wiggling it around. There's, I'm assuming, going to be some telltale signs of that. Or it could even be something, like I know in the John JonBenet Ramsey case, like, the signs of forced entry are pretty fucking subtle. Like they came in through one of those basement windows, like the kind where, where you're in the basement, you look up, there's a window that's like a foot high. They came in through one of those and went out through one of those by standing on a suitcase. And like, it's going to take a cop to catch that. Although I'm pretty sure in that case, one of the parents actually caught that. I did not know that about the Ramsey case. Yeah, the Ramsey case is a weird one. It's very weird. So they don't know how these three people at the we hear three people at this time of the day. I think they ever say how they got in, do they? I don't think so, because I that doesn't sound familiar to me. And that was one of the lines of questioning they were hitting Aaron with was, well, did they kick in the door? How did they get in? And I think that was the cops being like, nothing happened. Like no one. There was no home invasion. Like, how would these people have gotten in your home? It's like, man, they were in wetsuits. Maybe they came up through the fucking toilet. That's 100% what happened. I, they could probably <laughs> remove the toilet and then go yeah, through. remove it from the bottom. <laughs> like, a, like a manhole? That's, that's what I'm What picking. a nightmare. What a fucking oh, nightmare that would be. I hope I'd never have to walk through sewage. I think about that a lot, too. Yeah. Like yeah. A, but like also like those nice neighborhoods, like I don't know about you, but Littleton, Colorado, a lot of people don't really lock their doors. Like people are like, like getting into someone's home is not really that hard. Like windows aren't locked. You know what I mean? There is a case out there. I don't know the details, but if you Google around, I'm sure you'll find it. This killer's MO. He was a rapist, but he would kill people if need be. His whole thing was he would wait for thunderstorms. When there was a lot of rain and lightning and sound outside, and he would climb through open second story windows with a ladder. Because if you hear shit outside in that environment, you're like, oh, something fucking fell, whatever. And that's when he would attack people. He would like stalk them and like find people who he knew left their shit open thinking, well, I'm on the second floor. That's an exterior window. No one's getting in here. And he would just bring a goddamn tall ass Home Depot ladder and break in that home. And there's one case where this couple, it was a boyfriend and girlfriend, and they heard something and the boyfriend just like walked out to see what was happening. And the dude just rushed him and fucking stabbed him in the stomach because the dude was also huge. He was a giant. 
So lock your fucking doors. Lock your fucking doors. Be paranoid. It's a it's a scary world out there. Be paranoid. Like this documentary should prove that. Yeah. Be paranoid of everything. Like this feels like an operation. This doesn't feel like a dude who just gets off on kidnapping people. Like No, this was planned. Feels like there's something more going on. Shit happens. All of the scary shit people say happens. It fucking happens. And this is an example of it, including the part where it's so scary and so unbelievable. The police are like, we don't believe you. We're going to try and arrest, try to arrest you instead, which is that laziness. Are they dumb? I can't. I think it's a combination of laziness. Sometimes arrogance, sometimes they're like, well, I'm the cop. So (laughs) I obviously know what's going on here and you're the person who did it. So I'm just going to get you to tell me. It's a hunch. Like they're going on a hunch. Like we don't have any other way to investigate things. Also, they don't do much to be a cop. Like becoming a yoga instructor, you have to put more time in than cops do. So like that whole arrogance is so funny to me because it's like probably barely graduated high school. And now you went to this academy that's not that long. And then they do I buy a gun? Jeff and I, he said that you talked about it too. You two buying a gun. And I was like, should the three of us buy a gun? Not, and he goes together. And I'm like, well, we all get yeah, our own gun. One to share. <laughs> we all get our own gun, but we do it at the same time. And then we go fire at the fire range and we learn how to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I'm there yet. I'm close. We'll see. Yeah. yeah shit's getting crazy. Speaking of crazy, for some reason, this just kind of jogged this idea in my mind. What are the chances someone within the Vallejo PD was one of the three people involved in this? Because one of the things that keeps happening is this kidnapper, this rapist who they eventually find and we find out his identity. He tries to like carry himself like he's like a rapist with a heart of gold. He does. So he's like at one point later on, He's like really angry that the media is accusing Denise of lying. And he starts firing off emails with evidence proving like, no, we kidnapped this woman. You don't get it. We have her. Yeah. But before that, there's this moment where while they're still just questioning Aaron and like trying to get him to confess to a murder he didn't commit, a reporter is sent a proof of life recording from Denise, Mm -hmm. where she's like, hey, I've been kidnapped. Otherwise, I'm fine. There was a plane crash this morning. 158 people died. And first thought, what if the kidnappers did that? Holy shit. Like, fuck, we got to do something to identify this day by. Let's take down a plane. But all to keep Denise. (laughs) (laughs) But they get this recording. And I kind of wonder if someone within the police department knew that the police were going in this direction with Aaron because they do. When Denise talks about what happened to her, there are other people who show up. And at one point, this guy who kidnapped her is like, basically the story I just told about my sister and her sketchy boyfriend when she was 14, this kidnapper is like, look, I got other people coming over and they are not as nice as me. So you just cool out, be quiet until they're gone. And it's like, who was that? Who were, and how come we never were, that never was answered? Were the, the other two dudes? Not only is it never answered, but the FBI just kind of shuts it down as if there were no other people involved, which whenever that happens, someone's covering some shit up. And there's that thing where the guy who kidnapped Denise was like, all right, it's a couple things that you cannot tell the police after we release you because spoiler, she gets released, Mm -hmm. but you had to have seen that part, even if you just watched the trailer, but he's like, you can't tell them we had sex. And it's like, well, there's an easy end around there. You didn't have sex. You raped her. So yeah, you raped me. I didn't have sex with you. Technicality. It infuriates me when people call that sex. It is like the rage. And my friend gave me a book and this woman, the author was talking about how a teenager was having sex with her stepfather like a child was having and i was like that's rape that's not and she's like this promiscuous teenager and i was like i gotta throw away this book i can never read like it infuriates me 
not sex, but also with their recording, they also were like, she doesn't really sound that distressed. Like they all like she sounds way too calm. And it's like, well, you've never been kidnapped. Yeah. Like a team of kidnappers is going to let her sound any other way. Yeah. Get real hysterical. Yeah. They decide how she sounds. She doesn't get to decide that. But the other thing that this kidnapper told her not to mention to police is that any of the people involved had been in the military, which for one thing, why did you tell her? If yeah. She probably had no idea. Yeah. To be known. But this guy like talked to her about being in the military, having PTSD, really laying it all out, like trying to be a friend kind of. And then at one point he shows up and he's like, oh, but also I have to rape you because we don't have any collateral. We don't know that you won't like, you know, go tell people. So we have to film it and then it'll be fine. The video will never get out because you'll never talk. And that happens a couple times. And the fact that it happens twice becomes really important Mm -hmm. later Mm -hmm. as it pertains to how the police handled this. So yeah, like we have already spoiled out of the blue, Denise comes back. She just walks up to the front door of her dad's house. I mean, not as if nothing ever happened, but it's weird. Yeah. But I actually don't know how kidnapped people are usually released, right? Don't they get some kind of money and aren't, isn't it usually that we'll drop you off here and make a phone call. You know what I mean? I think that Yeah, I don't know how often it happens. Like, how often is Ransom successful? It's got to still work if people are still trying it. But I wonder what the hit rate is on that. And how many times does it just end with you handing over the (laughs) kidnap victim and then getting shot through the temple from like 500 yards away by a sniper? Right? Like, I just feel like there's not a lot of money in the kidnapping game anymore. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So she walks to her dad's house. Her dad's not home. Yeah, dad's not home, which, god damn, that would suck. Yeah. So, so naturally, the police start taking this seriously once she comes back. <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh, they don't. I was like, did that? They did not. <laughs> they don't. They get even more suspicious. One of the first press conferences that that other fuck face I mentioned earlier, I don't remember his name now, but the spokesperson for the Vallejo PD. Kenny. One of the... Yeah, Kenny. One of the first things he says in his press conference to the public is that Aaron and Denise siphoned a lot of resources away from the taxpayers of Vallejo. Like they're just immediately implying this this was a hoax and they faked this. They lied to us. They made us go look for a woman who was never kidnapped. Like the minute she comes back, that is the assumption is Well, she obviously faked this because kidnappers don't just let people go, but they did. They just let her go. What did she gain from that? You know what I mean? I just don't understand attention, but she got a lot of negative attention because people listened to this Kenny guy and was like, fuck her. We were all worried. And now turns out you faked it. But it's like. And the most frustrating part is it seems like the entire basis for this police theory And kind of, I think, their explanation for what her motive would be, like Detective Mustard literally says to, I think it's her lawyer, her lawyer asks him, well, if she's faking this, why would she do this? And his answer is, haven't you seen the movie Gone Girl? Oh, I forgot about that bullshit. I forgot about that. They interview the lawyer in this and he's like, man... This is real life. This is not a fucking movie, but it seems like that's the whole thing. They're like, oh, this is that movie that came out not too long ago. And it's like, damn. Yeah. After things like this, I Google what happens to those police officers. One of them got promoted. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just so. Oh, yeah. They said at the end of this, Matt Mustard was named police officer of the year in 2015. That's insane. (laughs) That is bananas and the whole time he's like well gone girl it's so dumb it's so dumb yeah when denise comes back they don't even like talk to her at first to try and corroborate her story they just like immediately start talking about her having faked this and arresting wasn't she had to get a lawyer because they were like we might file charges yeah they almost immediately start implying that they're gonna file charges and like think of being Denise in this situation, like she's just been held captive for days. She's been raped multiple times. 
And she even says, you know, the last thing I thought after surviving that was, uh oh, now I have to make sure this all sounds believable when I tell the police. That even feels like movie shit. It's so sad. You see a movie where there's like two survivors at the end and they've killed like a house full of assailants and the police show up. And it's always in the back of my mind when a movie ends like that, it's like the police are just going to arrest them. Like they're going to just arrest them and let the courts figure it out. Like they're not going to just believe their story that all those dead people in the house were the problem. And like, that's kind of what happens to Denise. They're just like, yeah, okay. We know who needs to be arrested here. Don't you worry. I can't imagine her, how she being in, I'm not saying anything, but how being in her shoes, I can't imagine. Like you said, like you've been raped, you've been held captive. And now you're like, I got to get a lawyer. I can't talk to my boyfriend to see if he's also okay. You know, like, I don't know if she knew what they did to him and they didn't, you know, they just let him pass out. But like, she's not even able to call it. Like, it's just, it's maddening. Yeah. At one point, someone, I think one of Aaron's lawyers texts the cop and says, Aaron would like to talk to Denise. And they just text back and say, so would we. It's like, you motherfuckers. You fucking assholes. Yeah. And we do see Nancy Grace at the end of episode one. She's the one who goes, is Denise a real life gone girl who faked her own kidnapping for ulterior motives? Do I just block out this person? Because even your impersonation is making my skin crawl. So do I just block her out when I see her? Because I don't. She is trash. Wow. Ugh, she is absolute trash. So episode two is a very good episode of documentary television. It is just Denise telling her story and man if you can watch that episode and come out the other end thinking she's lying like ooh, you're probably kind of a monster you're yourself. a monster didn't they also imply because she had been molested as a child that this sort of behavior was why you know she was molested so this promiscuous lying is like isn't that what they implied mustard implied i hate that guy he did imply that. Fuck him all the way off. Yeah. Bugger him. He's a bugger. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the second episode, it's just like her telling the story and there's like recreations from time to time. And again, this guy who kidnaps her, he tries to come off like he's an ethical rapist. Like, you know, there's those monsters out there because we talked to like we hear from some of his other victims later on and there's one who just like pleaded with him not to do it and he was like all right you win you convinced me i'll take off like yeah. good job kid but then sometimes it doesn't go that way even when they did the home invasion and took denise at one point aaron is like can i like i'm in my fucking underwear can i at least get some clothes on and this kidnapper is like oh my god i forgot we're wearing these wetsuits i didn't even realize everyone else was going to be cold we're so sorry and it's like <laughs> leave leave didn't he tell one of his victims too you should get a dog like you should get yes. you should get a dog this wouldn't happen to you if there was a dog i wouldn't have come in if there was a dog <laughs> like yeah it's nuts yeah he gives her crime prevention tips it's very strange and, yeah oh that second episode it, yeah, you're right. It's a very good documentary because it's just her sitting at a table just saying what happened. And it is so sad and so scary. And I think it was good sequencing for them to make the first half or the first third just Aaron's story. Because I guarantee there were still probably a lot of people watching who at the end of episode one were like, mm, maybe I'm not sure. I think maybe this is fake. And then you get to episode two and it's clearly, Do you think clearly so? I not. never thought it was fake. I never, I believed that no, guy. I guarantee you, I guarantee you there are, there were people watching this who were like, yeah, I still think it's fake because it is an unusual set of circumstances for someone to just come back like that. And after that long too, like she was gone a few days, like they didn't just like realized she was annoying in the car ride to the cabin and like kick her out on the side of the road. It was an ordeal. And she goes into graphic detail about that ordeal on the second episode. And it's bad times. She immediately corroborates a bunch of what Aaron said. Like without talking to him. Right. Like their lawyers talked. 
yeah, their lawyers talked and they were like, their stories are literally the same and they haven't talked because they, by legal advice, they'd ask them not to talk to each other. Right? Right. Yeah. And one of the other things that's so frustrating is how consistent their stories were because you always hear cops in true crime documentaries, TV shows, whatever. They're always like, oh, well, the first time he told the story, he said he took a right out of the parking lot. Now, all of a sudden, he said he took a left out of the parking lot. So, obviously, he's a murderer who's lying to us. <laughs> and so, if you use that as a basis for not believing a person, when someone tells the same story like 25 times in a row without deviating from a single detail, I feel like you should have some ethical grounds where you have to be like, all right, you got us. Like normally someone in this situation would deviate from their story, but you have told us the same story 50 times, sir. We are finally going to start looking for, oh shit, here she comes. Like, <laughs> yeah, Oh, she's here. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. She's here. Actually, you don't have to talk anymore. It's fine. And never mind. We don't believe you again. We think you all made this up for what we don't know, but you got no gain from it. Yeah, it goes from when she was missing, their theory is he killed her. And then when she comes back, the theory is just, well, they faked it. And they never look into the claims that these two are making. They do say they weren't able to verify them, but it's because they didn't look. They didn't do any police work. They didn't do any jobs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So her statement to Detective Mustard is pretty fucking rough. Like it's just more cops trying to be coercive type stuff, but also they're just, her lawyer mentions this. They're just like looking at her like she's a fucking animal. Like they clearly, it's obvious they don't believe anything that she's telling them, but it's like, I don't know. It's worse than that. It's like, they're not even considering that what she's telling them could possibly be true. Can you imagine telling the story of your rape to people who are supposed to help you and put your rapist away? And not only do they not believe you, but they're looking at you like that, like reliving yeah. one of the worst things that can ever happen to someone. And at the end of it, they're like, all right, so we're maybe going to try and sentence you to 12 to 18 months in prison <laughs> uh, because we think everything you just said is a complete lie. There is a part near the end of the second episode because most of it is just Denise talking. But one, we finally see Denise and Aaron like talking about finally getting to see each other. And it's pretty fucking heartbreaking. But there is good news on that front. It's all been pretty sad so far. So let's break the news. They're married now. They are married now. And they and they got and they they're married. They're happy. Can we break the ending where they got some money to like two point five million dollars from yeah. the Vallejo PD. So at least there's that. Yeah, that was that made me I cried. That made me very happy after everything they went through. I was like, thank God. Tear jerker of a documentary yeah. at several points. But then big, 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 big twist that I've already kind of hinted at happens at the end of episode two, where this kidnapper is seeing all these reports that Denise faked this. And he's like, no, -uh. you can't say that about my girl. <laughs> like, That's my yeah. friend. I don't talk about her that way. I raped her twice. And so he starts firing off emails to a reporter with all this evidence, just being like, yes, that what she's saying happened. Here's proof in this reporter sends it to the police. And that's where the documentary ends. They immediately swing into action and arrest the guy. Just joking. <laughs> I was like, that's a, every time you keep doing that. I'm like, wait, did they? I, I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> no, they just ignore it. And they ignore it to the point that this, these kidnappers are like, listen, if you don't stop calling Denise a liar, we're going to fucking kidnap someone else. Like we'll just do it again. And they do, or they at least try on the night of June 5th, 2015 in the small town of Dublin, California, they fucking try it again. They try to kidnap this couple's daughter in pretty much the exact same way, but that couple is able, the dad is able to fight them off. The mom calls police. They get the daughter back. 
So that it ends, you know, not as horrific as it could have. I just thought of this. Do you think they wear the wetsuits because it they're sleeker and it does keep you warm and but you're not but they're kind of loud, aren't they? Like I, I the wetsuit thing I can't I don't know how loud they are. If they're just neoprene, they're like I had a jacket once that was made out of like wetsuit material. And no, it's not like especially loud. It's not like rubber. Okay. I think they just called it a wetsuit. Like maybe that was how they were like moving in and out sleekly. You know, it's like a very tight. I imagine part of the wetsuit was probably to keep DNA evidence. Yeah. Like from the falling hair doesn't the come out. Yeah. Interesting. I assume it's that. And also because like if it's black, it's going to make you like even harder to see. Yeah. It's very weird. It's a very weird detail they never really talk about again. Speaking of a big detail, big, big, big whoops here in this Dublin, California attempted kidnapping. Motherfucker left his phone at the scene. Whoops. And the cops, one of the Dublin PD cops, uh, finds his phone, realizes it belongs to a guy named Matthew Muller, gets a hold of Matthew Muller's mom, and she becomes probably every person who's on the run's worst nightmare because she doesn't realize she's being tricked into giving up the location of her son who was on the run from law enforcement. This cop calls her and is like, uh, we just want to get your son's phone back to him. Do you know where he is? And so clearly Matthew Muller has not shared with mom that he's out here committing heinous rapes and home invasions. Because she's like, fuck yeah, he's at my cabin in South Lake Tahoe. How nice of you guys. <laughs> and they're the ones who go and arrest him. And the Dublin PD really is, they are the good cop side of this story. The Vallejo PD seem like they are still a huge fucking problem. But the Dublin PD, and especially Sergeant Misty Karausu. Yeah, who's just promoted right before this happened, where she was like, oh, I can't wait to solve a crime. Yeah, yeah. she's all in on this. She's like, fuck yeah, I want to try and solve this. You kidding me? Yeah. And they arrest Matthew Muller. I feel like every time someone like this gets arrested, unless it's like Ted Kaczynski, they're like, you know, they looked perfectly normal. It's like, what? Do you think he like tattooed rapist on his forehead? Like you have to look normal to commit crimes. Kind of. They always do that. They're like, he was normal. He was kept quiet, kept to himself. And also he doesn't look normal. He looks like a rapist. Yeah. He's creepy. Like, he's got crazy fucking eyes. Ugh. They find a bunch of kidnapping tools at his cabin, several of which are very similar to what Aaron and Denise described. What, what do we think of that blow up doll they found? What do you think that was for? Because it, it wasn't a sex doll. It was like made up to look like him. I don't think we will ever know because I don't <laughs> think that guy is playing with a full deck of cards. I could see it being a part of the sedating people thing where then you just like plant that in the corner of the room. So when they wake up, they're like, shit, they're still here. So then you have extra time to get away. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe he just wanted, maybe it was his friend. <laughs> yeah for all we know it's just like a carpool lane thing yeah, it has nothing to do with this stuff he's like i just don't like i don't like traffic <laughs> yeah traffic like, is crazy around here in dublin california isn't there also like a ryan gosling movie where he's like friends with a doll and he brings the doll home and his parents are like that's a doll and he's like no it's my friend and maybe that's it's a really good movie also is it, i've never seen it with lars yeah Lars and the Real Girl, I think it's called. I have a whole list of things that I write down when we talk. Do you know that? I did not. So the most important thing they find is a strand of blonde hair on a pair of goggles that belong to Muller. And we also, at this point, find out Twist, the lead FBI agent, because the FBI is also not interested in pursuing this as an actual crime beyond these two faked it. We find out that the lead FBI agent used to date... Aaron's ex-girlfriend, Andrea. So that is weird, right? And they also, they never talk about why the kidnap, why Matt Mueller meant to kidnap Andrea. Well, they say he refused to talk about it. Like Matt Mueller would never say why he said Andrea was the original target. And I feel like that would have given away something bigger about what this really was and goes back to your whole inside job thing. Someone in the police department was a part of it as well. Like maybe he was like, I don't want to rat anybody out, but we were trying to kidnap an FBI's ex-girlfriend. Who knows? 
And like, if these are military dudes, I don't doubt that there's some shady part of the internet where if you have the right connections and resources, you can just hire ex-military motherfuckers who do stuff like this. Like these three people clearly do this. And if they went in with an intended target, that does kind of imply that someone like another party set this higher. Yeah. And then Matt just never threw the other two under the bus was like never ratted them out. Just was like, well, I'm going to prison and they're, you're not going to offer me anything. So I will. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That part is super, super damn weird. And so <laughs> these cops in Dublin, California, uh, Sergeant Karausu, she's on the case. She's looking into all of these cases that seem similar. And she finally, she tracks down the owner of the white Mustang that Matt Muller stole to carry out the kidnapping of Denise. He like still had it at his cabin, which smart. She tells the owner of this car what kind of crimes this car was used for. And the guy's like, oh, sounds like the Mare Island Creeper. She's like the Mare Island Creeper. What? And there was this case a while back in Mare Island, which is like a neighborhood where Aaron and Denise lived, basically. Mm -hmm. And it was a guy like going around looking in windows and like just generally being creepy. And they never solved it. And so Sergeant Misty is like, holy shit, it's him. It's Matt Muller. He's the Mare Island Creeper. So that gets her into looking into cases in that area. And that's how she finds Denise's case. And she's like, there it is. That's my blonde hair. And she calls the Vallejo PD. She's like, guys, you're not going to believe this. We have this. Uh, I have this case solved. She's like describing it like she was just frantic with yeah. energy. And they're like, we handed it off to the FBI. We don't care. Call the FBI. We didn't care then. We don't care now. Yeah. So. so then she has to call David Sesma, the agent who used to date Aaron's ex-girlfriend, Andrea. And they do eventually get a meeting with the FBI to go over this evidence she has. And in that meeting, they're flipping through stuff and the FBI is like, yeah, 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 come on, get on with it. And then they come to one, there's a toy gun with a laser pointer on it, which is a thing everyone described yeah. during these home invasions was a gun with a laser pointer being pointed in their eyes. And no one's going to know it's fake, by the way. Like, No, no, they were painted black. And no one goes you're going to show me that's real before I take this whole thing seriously. You know, you're like, that's a gun. Yeah. You pull it out on a cop. You're getting shot. Yeah. 100%. But also you pull out a fake gun on a cop. You're getting shot. Pull your wallet out on a cop. You're getting shot. Yeah. Or anything, depending on your skin color, you know? Yeah. And so they come to this, they this picture of the gun. When the FBI sees that, they're like, oh, that is the same gun that was in the emails that the person claiming to be Denise's kidnapper sent. Uh-oh. And then they show them the picture of the goggles. And they're like, fuck. Okay, you're right. Like, this they is... finally, after all of this, yeah. were like, tail between the legs. Yeah, that is something about that. Something about seeing those goggles. The blonde hair is eventually tested. And yes, of course, it's Denise's. That's what takes Matt Muller down. And just like that, the Vallejo PD make an arrest after all this time calling Denise a liar, saying this was a hoax, being like, have you seen Gone Girl? They're like, never mind. We actually arrested a guy. Can you believe it? Aren't we such good cops? We're so good at our jobs. Yeah. like, And I think the uh, one of the worst details in terms of the police and their actions is Aaron's phone. They After they make this arrest, the lawyers on... Denise's side are like, we want to see the FBI's affidavit. Like we want to see what these motherfuckers were thinking when they pursued this angle. And one of the things they find is that when Aaron was questioned, he told the police that the kidnapper said they were going to call him. And so the cops put his phone on airplane mode. I forgot about that. And during that time, he got two calls from the kidnapper that could have been traced to within 200 meters of where Denise was being kept. And what really, really sucks about that is those calls happened in between the first and second time she was raped. They could have stopped the second rape. If they had just 
like what's the harm in leaving his fucking phone on and, and seeing why? if those calls come? Yeah, like, like just phone on. But nope, they turned his phone on airplane mode. Those calls never got answered. They were never able to trace him. And so Denise had to go through all this extra shit when they could have like solved it pretty quick. Pretty quick. Pretty quick. Fucking harsh. They eventually file a lawsuit. And that's when we find out about the burn that bitch statement. The guy who was giving all of the statements to the public about Denise, we find out after she came back right before his first press conference, one of his superiors said, burn that bitch. So like everyone in the building thought these two were lying without, by the way, any digging at no digging at all. They just immediately were no, like, no. there was no like it's it, so scary at least in gone girl that detective did her job for a while and then that's when she you know what i mean like you guys want to be a movie so bad at least do a little bit of like digging before burn that bitch a rape victim 2.5 million dollars was not enough she should have bankrupt that fucking police station yeah yeah they should just not have cops in vallejo no There's some other cops should have to take care of that give them a different name something and instead we promoted the lead guy in this just such a fun thing to learn. Yeah. Well, he didn't get promoted, but he did get police officer of the year. Like we mentioned, he was awarded police officer of the year in 2015. So the, year. the same year he brought the utmost shame upon his police department by concocting a story in his own mind of what happened here. They're like, you're actually police officer of the year. And I guarantee you that was some like back the blue shit where yeah. all his fellow cops were like, we're never going to say a cop did anything wrong, especially not in 2015. Oh, gosh, 2015. I think some of us were still, I think in 2015, I still thought the cops were fine. No, probably not, because 2014 was the Michael Brown oh, incident. And Trayvon Martin also would have been 29, I think, a few days ago. Oh, really? Yeah, That's but Trayvon Martin also problem. wasn't, that was the random guy that shot him, right? Yeah, that wasn't a cop. That was George something I forget yeah. his name he's living a life now yeah yeah but so 2005 okay then jesus back the blue but hey the police did finally apologize after they made that arrest after it was all confirmed that denise was telling the truth and that the cops were wrong to their credit they immediately apologized six years later <laughs> after like news of the lawsuit started coming out like these two, they Aaron Quinn and Denise Huskins published a book about this. And that's when the police finally apologized. And by that, I mean, they sent an email to a local TV station to apologize. And here's what it said. It's a little long, but you won't be surprised to know it's not that long. Here goes. Mm -hmm. The Huskins-Quinn case was not publicly handled with the type of sensitivity a case of this nature should have been handled with. And for that, the city extends an apology to Ms. Huskins and Mr. Quinn. On July 20th, 2015, letters from former police chief Andrew Badu to Ms. Huskins and Mr. Quinn indicated that once an indictment against Matthew Muller was complete, the VPD would make a public apology to the victims. Based on the comments of Ms. Huskins, while the July 20th, 2015 letter was a public document, it appears that the follow-up personal public apology did not take place. Oh, certainly just an oversight, I'm sure. What happened to Ms. Huskins and Mr. Quinn is horrific and evil. As the new chief of police, I am committed to making sure survivors are given compassionate service with dignity and respect. Although I was not chief in 2015 when this incident occurred, I would like to extend my deepest apology to Ms. Huskins and Mr. Quinn for how they were treated during this ordeal. End quote. They sent that to a local TV? <laughs> yeah, they sent, this was a statement that was emailed to a local news outlet. Or news outlet, yeah. Yeah, once the story about the book being published started breaking. And it, it's like a new like police chief, so he's trying to score PR points. By being like, oh, that old corrupt Regime. bastard. Yeah. No, thanks. We are a newer, kinder, gentler Vallejo PD. But which we they're probably not. definitely didn't give the apology to the victims. We sent it to a television station so that everyone can see that we made an apology instead yes, of the yes. people. Yuck. Yeah, it's fucking gross. Every 
second of this story is pretty damn gross. How long did Matthew Mueller get in prison? In 2022, was sentenced to 31 years in prison, pleaded no contest to two counts of forcible rape and guilty to three other charges. Jesus. Sentence will be served concurrently with a federal sentence. So he's also, I wonder what his federal sentence was. 40 years, it yeah, looks I, like, was I, his federal sentence. So 70 or just 40 in total? It's concurrent. So they're running at the same time. So essentially he's 40 years in prison. Otherwise they would be consecutive sentences. I feel like if you did something like that, you don't get to be in the world anymore. I don't, I don't mean like capital punishment, but I believe like, and I don't like the prison system. You know, it's a very, it's complicated, but it's like, I feel like if you did that, you don't get to be amongst the other humans anymore. Like that would be nice. But also, Seems like this guy's the government, so who knows? Yeah. But <laughs> that is our episode. We did it. Kim, thank you so much for watching this nightmare of a documentary. It is a very good documentary. It is good. Absolutely worth watching, 100%. Especially if you're someone who, if, if you're one of those, ah, the police didn't do that kind of types like the police do that all I the time. I have a feeling you don't have a lot of listeners that feel that. You know, like I feel like like if I'll go on a rant on crawl space, I'm like, oh, I feel like at this point I've weeded out anyone who is like a forced birther or like pro cop. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've weeded out people yeah. who are like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's hoping, but you never know. And actually not here's hoping. I hope this changes your mind. I agree. I hope so too. So how about that? So thank you and, for uh, having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. This feels like a good time to plug stuff. Uh, at True Crime Sucks on Instagram. Follow us there. Kim, what do you got to plug? Um, follow me on, uh, I'm posting stuff on TikTok. So if you're on TikTok um, and Instagram, K-Y-M-K-R-A-L, you all, I have a podcast, Crawl Space, and I wrote a book. So Confessions of a Recovering Party Girl. Those are my plugs. Very nice. Yeah. No shows because I don't have a car. But when I have a car, there will be shows. I know the feeling. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Kim, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.